0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show, we talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart.
1: Hey, get your popcorn ready.
0: NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn,
2: your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to share our Week 17 power rankings and focus on both the Patriots and the Lions.
1: And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with our weekly conversation with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport.
0: Now it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn.
2: And through the magic of broadcasting, 30 seconds ago, Ian was on television. Now he's on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, thanks for taking the time. I saw you tweeting about Des Bryant's media session today. It was extensive, 15 minutes. What were some of the headlines?
3: Well, it was Des finally letting out some of the frustration that that had built in all season, and you know, sort of uncharacteristically, hadn't talked to reporters basically all season. Had been kind of an afterthought, and you know, for you know, for a team that could have used a number one target, uh, you know, the kind of guy who can bail out a quarterback when he needs him, Des has not been that. I mean, he just hasn't been. He's not been a number one receiver this year, and um, you know, he blamed on tendonitis. That was one thing he talked about, how the scheme wasn't right. He's going to talk to management about that. Obviously, that would put Scott Linehan sort of in the crosshairs there, the offensive coordinator, or perhaps um, Derek Dooley, his, his receivers coach. I mean, there were a lot of issues that he went through. Also, didn't sound like he wants to take a pay cut, uh, although the team can certainly make that work in a um, you know, restructuring of a salary and extension. I mean, there's a lot of things there. But Des Bryant not being happy with the scheme to me, probably
1: stood out more than anything. Ian, even though we heard Jerry Jones mentioned that he wasn't getting rid of uh, Jason Garrett, give me your take on Scott Lanahan. Um, His approach and that offense, it looked really stale, man. I mean, just a lot of crossing routes, no vertical threats, and you know, alluding to, obviously, what you just mentioned, that's mainly because they don't have a number one on the field. Do you see them changing in that department so that they can get some vertical uh, throws down the football field and open this thing up a little?
3: Well, you raise a really good question because was the the issues with the scheme. I mean, Linehan's the same guy who helped uh, Dak Prescott become a starting quarterback last year from the middle of nowhere. So he clearly, uh, and, you know, has led some of the most productive NFL offenses we've seen. Clearly has his bona fides as an offensive coordinator. But did the scheme get stale because, one, he's terrible, or two, they just don't have the talent? Uh, and, and I don't really know the answer to that, but Des Bryant was not very good this year. Um, I think that's one thing, you know, the rest of the people, you know, Jason Witten as a tight end, great player, great guy, obviously passed his prime. You know, that's another thing. And, um, I think it, it just makes you wonder like how many of those guys that Dak Prescott was not hitting were open. How many open receivers did he actually have this whole year? And I think as the coaches try to evaluate that, that's really the key question. Was it talent or was it the scheme?
2: Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, every year there's the groomers. Gruden plus rumors get you John Gruden rumors. But you've been reporting there's more substance this year. Do you think he's truly interested in going back to the NFL? And that would be a reunion with the Buccaneers.
3: It feels like he is, uh, and I've talked to people close to him, and it's not just coaches, it's support staff that he's discussed this with. I mean, I don't know definitively whether or not he's coming back. I also don't know if Dirk Cutter is definitively getting fired, but this year feels different from the other years, and you know groomers are great, who doesn't love talking about John Gruden returning um, but man I mean this this sort of feels like it's all coming together, and you know his energy is great on Monday nights um, I think it would be a very good thing for the league if this was the year he decided to come back as well.
1: And the San Francisco 49ers, a team that I've been really riding high on. um, Ever since I saw them grab Kyle Shanahan and give him a six year deal, as well as John Lynch and his six year deal, the piece they needed more than anything I thought was more glaring uh, was a quarterback. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. Do you think this really puts this team in a very good position to be able to go after some quality pieces, whether it's through free agency or through the draft, to allow this team to start competing really soon? Because they won four games straight with him.
3: Well, and I think the you know the draft will be what it is. Either they'll pick good players or not. Okay, fine. More interesting is do people now want to come to San Francisco? I right. was surprised this year when you know they were bad, obviously, but Brian Hoyer, uh, Pierre Garçon. You know, a couple other guys wanted to come for Kyle Shanahan. You know, not all of those worked out. who obviously didn't, um, but they wanted to come for Shanahan. Now do they want to come for Shanahan and Garoppolo? You know, Do the Niners become a place where players flock to, want to join the offense, want to be on that team? Uh, I think it may be. And, you know, I can see it, too, because it's been so bad the past couple of years. Things were always going in the wrong direction. And now they're going in the right direction. And really, it's a pretty cool place to to be part of an organization if you're playing well. Uh, And without a lot of talent, they happen to be playing well now.
2: Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Let's wrap it up in Denver. Ian, how much job security do you think Vance Joseph has heading into the final game of his first season as head coach? And the dynamic now of this game a bit different because Patrick Mahomes now getting the start when Kansas City takes on Denver.
3: First of all, let's talk about Mahomes first. This is actually going to be fascinating because – He's gotten so much hype based on what he did in the preseason. Um, and I know the Chiefs like him. I know they, they want him to be their quarterback of the future and all that. But we haven't really seen him. And we and we know that preseason is very, very different from regular season. Um, and he's playing, a, again, one of the top defenses in the NFL. I'm curious how this goes. You know, Paxson Lynch is on the other side. They want to evaluate him, too. Um, my understanding is there's a good amount of job security for Vance Joseph. Do I definitively know he's not going to get fired? No. But I think it's going to end up being all right for them. And, you know, they had a lot of issues at quarterback. If they get that right, I think they're going to be pretty good next year.
2: Ian, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn.
3: Thank
1: you.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, I'm Jack. And I'm Chen Gerai. We're the hosts of Uncivil, a new podcast from Gimlet Media. It's about the stories of the Civil War left out of the official history how the Civil War never ended, and is still with us today.
1: With TuneIn, you can get the next episode of our show a full week early so you can hear it before everyone else. Go to TuneIn.com Uncivil to check it out. That's TuneIn.com U-N-C-I-V-I-L. Welcome back to NFL
0: No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on the Lions with Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com. Tori, as always, we appreciate the time. You've been covering this team on a daily basis for a few years now. How big of a disappointment was the loss Sunday in Cincinnati? and What do you think happened in that game?
4: Yeah, it certainly was a disappointment. I mean, the Lions are coming off a game where they felt like they had really put themselves back into the playoff conversation. Uh, they did need some help from some other teams, but they ended up getting the help that they needed. They just couldn't take care of their own business, uh, weren't able to come away with the win uh, against a team that certainly they were capable of beating, uh, but they put, couldn't put together the performance that they needed. The offense just really couldn't get going all day. There wasn't a run game. They had missed opportunities. They struggled. Uh, on third and short and uh, you know it just nothing was really coming together for them in that game the the defense played decently in the first half but then in the fourth quarter there were penalties after penalties when they were trying to get a stop and uh, get the offense back on the field to get some sort of game winning uh, drive going and they just couldn't do it usually we're used to seeing this team put its best work out there in the fourth quarter uh, but it did not happen in Cincinnati so certainly a disappointment for this team uh, that was able to make it to the playoffs
1: last year. Tori, happy holidays to you and yours. I hope Santa Claus took care of you and the new year is going to bring it in right. Uh, But (laughs) but I got some other news I got to talk to you about. It's your Detroit Lions. It's 26 consecutive seasons without winning a postseason game. Give me your take on how do you see this organization trying to fix Those issues, Because, you know, my big thing is I ask you the same question every week. I talk about the running game. One thing that the Minnesota Vikings do have, and and I think, and also Green Bay, I think why they have success every year for the most part is because they do have a quality running game. Do you think they need to get that moving forward?
4: Yeah, it's certainly something that's missing from this team, and it has been for a little while here. Uh, I mean, just look at the 100-yard rusher stat and how long it's been. It's been – Uh, you know, three years and counting since they've had a 100-yard rusher in a game. And Matthew Stafford has only had seven of them in his entire career as a Lions. So there really hasn't been a consistent, reliable run game for this team in a long time. And this year was no different. Uh, They really felt like they were going to have it this year with all the money and time they invested in the offensive line in the offseason, bringing in three agents uh, and Rick Wagner and T.J. Lane. Uh, But it just did not pan out that way because of injuries. And then Taylor Decker's injury complicated things as well. So uh, then even Amir Abdullah had injuries this season. Uh, And so between him and Theo Riddick, they weren't able to get the red game going that they they wanted to. Tian Green stepped in and and had some uh, key snaps for them, but it just was not consistent. There were flashes of it here and there. But, uh, I mean, that's certainly part of the puzzle, uh, of what needs to improve uh, to get them their first playoff win in two decades. Um, but that really is, is something that this organization is striving for and uh, is just really trying to get over that hump of because they feel like they can't really uh, get the respect that they want until they, they cross that uh, milestone.
2: Chatting with Tori Petri, DetroitLions.com, Lions Lions Team Channel here on TuneIn. We'll get clarity on Monday as to what the future holds for Jim Caldwell, but let's presume the entire coaching staff comes back. Can you give us a sense of what offensive coordinator Jim Bob Kuder has brought this team in recent years? Because as head coaching jobs open up across the league, I think his name is going to come up at least getting interviews. Yeah, I mean, uh,
4: his name and Tara Lawson's name have both come up in uh, head coaching searches in the past. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. They're always very close-lipped about it during the season. You know, they always say their focus is this team alone. And uh, Jim Bob was asked about it when the Genesee job came open since that's his alma mater. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens in this offseason. Uh, when Jim Bob took over as offensive coordinator in 2015, he really turned around what was a struggling offense and uh, he and Matthew Stafford have a great rapport with each other. Now, this year, the offense has struggled a little bit uh, in terms of having a run game and, and knowing when to, you know, just kind of throw in the towel, so to speak, on the run game and say, hey, the run game isn't working for us. Let's just stick to the pass because we're doing that well. And how do you balance that with still being able to, you know, pass and, and have that be a successful part of your offense when you don't have, Um, the other aspect of it when you're one dimensional. So he's had a tough, tough situation to deal with uh, this season. So uh, we'll we'll see what
1: happens. As you move forward and, and you mentioned things that could potentially happen during the off season, is it okay to say this is a time where you start looking into the draft to figure out what's the next and most important thing to grab, even though I know there's one game left to play, I get all that, but nothing really there to play for other than just a little pride Um, Moving forward, what do you see them actually trying to address? Offensive line, defensive line, the running back position, uh, the secondary. Because I see Darius Slay. He's end up uh, going to the Pro Bowl and end up getting a $550,000 extra bill added into his. Not (laughs) bill he has to pay, but one that goes in his pocket.
4: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's totally okay for us to talk about what happens in the offseason now. I mean, the players are... And coaches are obviously just still focusing on that one game left against the Packers. But as far as we go, we can, we can have those conversations. I mean, I think that uh, we're getting to that point where it's starting to become very relevant, uh, you know, what's going to happen this offseason. Uh, but I think, you know, like you said, running back, that's certainly an area that I could see them of uh, making some moves and defensive line as well. That is really an area where they struggled to get pressure all season long. Uh, I'm not sure what the offensive line uh, situation will look like this offseason because they invested so much in it last year. Uh, and really just injuries were, were what hurt them this year. So I'd say running back defensive line, those are big areas. I think they're they're pretty good in the secondary with Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs and Glover Quinn. Uh, they really like who they have there. So, um, it certainly will be an interesting off season, for sure, to see what they end up doing.
2: Corey, right, we really appreciated your availability. Thanks so much for being a regular contributor every week. Enjoy the rest of the holiday season. Look forward to chatting with you again when we get to the off season.
4: Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me
0: on. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. With more than 30 First Play podcasts on TuneIn, you can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows before they're available anywhere else. Hey there, it's Mike Rowe. This is The Way I Heard It, the only podcast for the curious mind. With a short attention span, we're at episode number 83, Incredibly.
1: I'm Jack Hitt. And I'm Chinjirai Kumanyika.
0: This is Uncivil. Where we ransack America's history. And discover that the past is never really past. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, and beaming out across all of space and time, this is StarTalk where science and pop culture collab. Search First Play Podcasts and listen early. Listen often and listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for Cordell and I to detail the five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest.
0: It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure.
2: I'm more than sure. Cordell, we have 10 minutes to achieve this, so I will take as much of my five minute allotment as I can. Although it's the holiday spirit, I may be generous and give even more time to you. We're not debating yet. First, we got to rattle through the five teams we believe are more than sure. They're better than the rest. We're going to shake it up in my top five. For the first time, the Saints crack the five best teams in all of football. I'll explain the logic. It's pretty straightforward. Win on the road in Tampa Bay, they lock up the division. There's a real chance they're going to move up from their current position of being the four seed to the three seed because head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay, indicating he's inclined as of today to rest his starters. He feels like rest is more important than seeding. And there could be tactics at play if the Rams were to lose to the 49ers with their backups on the field, and that's a possibility based on how well Jimmy Garoppolo's been playing. If the Rams lose the Saints' win, we're going to flip-flop those seeds, so it'll be New Orleans as the three seed. That means New Orleans, if they're victorious on Wild Card weekend, they're going to Minnesota. We know what happened on a Monday night when Sam Bradford carved them up, but this is now Case Keenum's football team. The Rams would drop down to a matchup against top seeded Philadelphia. That could be by design because we know the Rams had no success when they went to Minnesota not too long ago. Saints getting it done on both sides of the ball. Renew energy. Running the football with a one-two punch. As you look at the rookie Camara, the veteran, Ingram, Marshawn Lattimore going to be defensive rookie of the year. Drew Brees on his way to the Hall of Fame. A lot to like about this team. And because I have a blockbuster in my top five, here's a preview. Philadelphia is no longer amongst my elite teams. No Philly in my top five. I had to include another NFC club. New Orleans got the nod. At number four, I don't care about seating. I'm talking about production on the field and the eyeball test. The Rams, 11-4. Doesn't matter what happens when they wrap up the regular season against the 49ers. This team has come alive down the stretch thanks to one catalyst, Todd Gurley. I buy the MVP logic to a degree. Like to see more rushing yards, but if you're just talking about a comprehensive approach, he's got better than 2,000 yards from scrimmage. He's been highly impactful as a wide receiver, and if you think about where Jared Goff is heading into the postseason. Don't think he's going to fall apart in his playoff debut. Aaron Donald has been phenomenal. The Rams a comprehensive approach. Minnesota slightly better. And I got to factor in head-to-head record when I was coming up with the hierarchy here. So I could make the case the Rams should be at number three, but I'm going to respect the seedings and the standings and I have a Memory that still works. I know what happened when L.A. went to Minnesota. The Vikings pounded them, holding the Rams to merely seven points. You know my issue with Minnesota. I'm going to skip the Case Keenum rant today. It's right in front of the Vikings. Seventeen things would have to happen for them to fall out of the two seed. They're going to lock up that first round bye, and they're going to handle their business. Most straightforward path is a home victory over Chicago. Chicago. I want to see more from Case Keenum in the postseason, but since I dropped Philadelphia out of my top five, that means Minnesota is my highly evaluated team coming out of that conference. Ask me right now, who do I believe in the most in the NFC? It's the Minnesota Vikings rapidly through the last two. Steelers, 12-3. and three. They're going to beat the Browns, irrespective if they play their starters or not. First time since 2010. They've locked up a first-round bye. That is critically important because they need another week for Antonio Brown to come back from the calf injury. Still an outside possibility. They could move up to the top seed. It's not going to happen because my number one team, the Patriots, will be pushed a bit, but they're going to beat the Jets New England's going to go to 13-3, and and Tom Brady has heard the hot take guys like myself saying, well, he looks mortal down the stretch. Five interceptions, book it. Brady, at least 250 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks, as New England locks up the number one seed in the AFC. Recapping quickly, Saints 5, Rams 4, Vikings 3, Steelers 2, Patriots 1, and I've given you five minutes and 30 seconds because I'm just that generous.
1: That's not the case. My thing is, you finally got smart to take Philadelphia out of your top five. I don't know what took you so long. It took you this long to get to that point? Oh, it took Nick Foles to be the starting quarterback in order to do it. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm having a problem at that number five spot because you have four good football teams that are at number five, that could be at number five. You have the Panthers, who sit right now, I think, for some at eight. You have the Jaguars sitting at seven. You have the Saints at six. And you have the Rams at five. The reason I am going with this team uh, all, all four of these teams have very good defenses. I mean, some may be better than others. But I think the play of the quarterback is one that I'm going to lean on, and then i take it to the next level. I'll take it to the receiving core. I'll take it to the next level. Then I'll go to the running back position. I'll leave the Rams sitting there at number five with the Saints being at 5.5 because they haven't even won their division yet. They still have more business to take care of. The Rams have solidified their spot. They're just fighting to maintain being at the third spot throughout the entire ordeal in the NFC. I have the Rams at number five. This is a football team last year. Last year. In 14 games, this team scored, well, actually all of the games last year. They scored 224 points and within 14 games, this offense has scored 438 points. Excuse me, I said points, but that's points. That is, excuse me, points. 224 points all of last season, 438 this season. That is truly unbelievable. I think Sean McVay has come in and really allowed everyone to have their hand in the pot on how they go about their business. It wasn't just about the running game. It wasn't just about the offensive line. It just wasn't about Sammy Watkins coming in from Buffalo. It wasn't just about Jared Goff. I think it was about the entire group and how they went about their business and Wade Phillips on the other side. I don't really need to say truly much else. He's just a legend uh, within himself, still active in being a part of the game today. Don't be shocked that team go further than most expect them to because of that. The Philadelphia Eagles, I still have them at four. I still they have them at four. I think that last game going one of 14 on third down, I think one of that's one of the games that this team actually needed with Nick Foles at the quarterback position so that the coordinators can have Coach Schwartz as well as Coach Peterson uh, when it comes down to their play calling and how they actually actually go out and schematically break down the game and how they want it to go whether it be run the football a little bit more, take control of the clock, whether it's defense, not be as aggressive, but maybe be a little bit more passive aggressive, have a bend but don't break mentality, because sometimes when you blitz a little bit too much, you end up having one of those plays that can break on you and give it back to your offense. I think that's when you show the deficiencies of a Nick Foles. But I like what I see in the Philadelphia Eagles still with Nick Foles as a quarterback. Nowhere near as good as a Carson Wentz, which I think had them at the number one spot for... It, pretty much the entire season why he was healthy, but I think this is why they're at number four because of Nick Foles And they don't have that guy in Carson Wentz my number three spot. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers Pittsburgh Steelers the black and yellow. They don't have James Harrison anymore. He's out of there He's not even in the picture He's with the other team the team that they love to hate the one that they struggled against, but we'll get to that in a moment talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers they lost against the New England Patriots by one point very controversial call but I thought the right call based on the ruling that said when it comes down to the catch by Jesse James and the ball moved as he lunged to the goal line to try to get a touchdown being anxious and excited and it ended up moving so they call it an incomplete pass I think the defense is playing well you hope that Antonio Brown can come back you see that you have Martavis Bryant they came in Juju Schuster I mean he's come in and filling for Antonio Brown and doing a phenomenal job, and he, and all of a sudden, you have Le'Veon Bell. Not all of a sudden, but just Le'Veon Bell. He's just doing what he does. He's playing good. in Big Ben. I mean, having one of the better games this season, being able to go out and not turn the football over, having a high percentage and throwing some touchdowns. I like it from the black and yellow team, but let's get to the second team. Can I get some horns, please? Case Keenum in the Minnesota Vikings, baby, are sitting at number two. Why not? Hey, you know what? Matter of fact, I think we will listen to him. What was it? Al Michaels. I think he talked about this man being in the MVP conversation. Hold your horses, Brian. I know you're getting itchy. You like to bounce around in that chair when I'm talking because I think your nerves get pretty edgy. Drink a Diet Coke and relax yourself a little bit because I have a case for you. Case Keenum is playing some of the best football in the National Football League right now. I said it. In the National Football Case Keenum. In the Minnesota Vikings, I have a case for you. Case closed because this team is really phenomenal, to be honest with you, with what they do, how they go about their business. Defense is great. Offense is great. Digs, stealing, Rudolph the backfield with McKinnon and also Murray and Case Keenum. They even called him a magician when he's in the backfield. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Case Keenum having conversations like MVP, magician last year by my counterpart. He said he was diminutive. He also said that he should be in the National Football League. Oh, I got a case for you. That's my number two team in Case Keenum. And last but not least, let me get serious. Art Vader and the New England Patriots just acquired. James Harrison, for those who have been on, been traveling on the road and didn't have a chance to sit still, they have James Harrison, arguably one of the best dealers when it comes to getting after the quarterback. In that organization's history, he leads. That organization, when it comes to getting after the quarterback, he's the best that ever did it in Pittsburgh. They let the guy go before the postseason, and look who grabs him, the New England Patriots. I'm not talking about Tom Brady. This is about James Harrison. I think his presence alone will set the tone and make it understood that this guy at the head coaching position position here for this organization. He doesn't care what you think about him. He wants you to understand. He's about winning and winning only. James Harrison, he has enough championships. Why do you think he went to New England? I think two reasons. He's pretty darn mad that they got rid of him as as quick as they did before the postseason. And last but not least, I think he wants another ring. He gets himself an opportunity to get another ring. He doesn't have just two from the Steelers. He ends up having one also. Also! From the New England Patriots, the enemy within the AFC. That's... New England Patriots with James Harrison and company. He's the oldest guy on the team. That's what Tom Brady said. He doesn't feel like he's the grandpa anymore. Now it's the godfather in James Harrison. So I'll go from number five in my Rams. This team has put up almost double the amount of points that they had last year. This year with 438. How about the Eagles? I think Nick Foles would be fine. The defense is good. I like the running game of this offense. In the thirteen black and yellow. Uh-huh. You don't have James Harrison, but you do have Juju Schuster. And this defense with Ben Roethlisberger And hopefully A B can come back. I have him at number three and at number two. <laughs> case Canem at number two in the Minnesota Vikings. I got a case for you. Case close and at number one. <sighs> that guy, Darth Vader, he just doesn't surprise me. He has my man, James Harrison, better known as hashtag Debo. You want some who wants some of Big D? Debo. That's his name. James Harrison, number 92. He still has a number. I think this team actually will make some noise in the postseason like they always do. That's mine. That's back to you, Brian Weber. How about that? You're
0: listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
2: Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From Week 1 to Week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. A lot of home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block. Brady tosses.
0: Touchdown!
2: Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown! Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we spotlight the reigning world champions from New England with Andy Hart of Patriots.com radio. Andy, over the years, it's been largely plug and play for New England at the running back position. That said, how important was it for Deion Lewis to have that breakout game against Buffalo heading into the postseason?
5: I think it was big. Um, you know, this is a team that they've always used the committee approach and it's always sort of been secondary to the, the passing attack, but down the stretch, Bill Belichick has always liked to have a ground game that he could turn to. And you remember a couple of years ago, they brought Steven Jackson in um, to try to do that. And they had that game in Miami where they ran it like 19 times in the first half lost um, One of the, I think it was the second to last week and could never establish the running game ended up, you know, getting bounced from the playoffs. So I think Bill believes that you have to have some semblance of a ground game. And, you know, they've actually been a little bit better this year uh, since Dion Lewis sort of took over the lead lead back role. And I think this is now three of the last five games they've rushed for 190 yards as a team. But, you know, Lewis is a guy that he proved before he got hurt in 15 that he was sort of a unique weapon. And people forget, you know, back at Pitt, he was a, he was a true workhorse in college. And, because of his size and because of his abilities, catching the ball too. I think people expect something else and then are surprised when he does what he did on Sunday and goes out and runs it, you know, 24 times for 129 yards. Um, he's capable of doing that every once in a while. Now, I think if you tried to do that week after week, he would, you know, certainly break and get worn down. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a guy that now only has to be a factor for another four games potentially. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, he's a free agent at the end of the year. I'm not sure they're going to be looking to invest in him long term. Um, he might get paid. So you know they're probably going to run him into the ground over the next month and, and try to balance out this offense because the passing game has struggled a little bit.
1: Andy Hart, how much was your heart pounding when you guys found out you were getting James Harrison, uh, someone that, that's that been experienced in the postseason. You knew you just you just won a big game on the road in Pittsburgh, and a guy who's very frustrated and angry because he get, didn't get a chance to play as much as he would have liked because of T.J. Watt. He's been performing so well. How big of an issue are you guys making it that you had a player like James Harrison come into you guys' organization at this point in time of the year?
5: Well, we would love to make it a big issue. The problem is the team tries to squash issues, and – I'm sure you saw Bill Belichick's comments today, which were basically non-existent. He described Harrison's career as good, just that single word, good. Uh, he basically <laughs> said, we'll see what he's going to do here. He played linebacker for the Steelers. We'll see. Um, and he, they never fuel into these things. Even Harrison, I just left the open locker room. He didn't speak. He won't speak till Friday late in the day because they don't want him, you know, responding to any criticisms out of Pittsburgh or fueling any big story. Um, So from a media perspective, it's hard to have too much fun with it when they won't play along as either the coach or the player. But, you know, for a team that has nothing on the edge, I mean, they – all year long, and I'm sure I've talked about it with you guys, it's like, you know, sign Eric Lee off the practice squad from Buffalo and a week later he needs to start and play 70 snaps. And, you know, Marquise Flowers is a career special teamer. Well, not this week. We need him to play 70 snaps and he's going to get a couple sacks. They – They've been so undermanned, and you've seen it with opponents rushing for basically five yards a carry every game, um, and they're rushing on the edges. I don't know if James Harrison can still get after the quarterback. Um, He really hasn't played this year, 40 snaps in five games. He's got one sack. But I can tell you, just looking at him, if the man wants to set the edge and the man doesn't want to be moved on the edge of that front, I think he will set the edge far better than any Patriot linebacker edge guy that has done it all year. And even if that's all he brings to the table – That'll be something that could help this defense, you know, down the stretch here with one more regular season game and then it's the postseason. Um, and even if, even if he's not great, it's a fun little story late in the year and you hope that the Steelers and Patriots meet again and that we can kind of have some fun with this on talk radio and in the newspapers and, and really, uh, you know, blow it up to more than they're going to want us to.
2: Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com, Radio Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, if we're thinking about the MVP race, it's down to Tom Brady and Todd Gurley. Irrespective of those details, you watch this team so closely on a weekly basis. Where do you think Brady is physically at this stage of the season? Five interceptions this month alone, pick six against Buffalo on Sunday.
5: You know, I think he uh, he's battling some things. He. Missed practice again today. He was put back on the injury report with both an Achilles and a left shoulder injury, which are two things he's dealt with previous this season. And this is now, I believe it's four out of the last six weeks, he's missed Wednesday practice. And he's a guy that hates to miss practice. We know it. He's talked about having to get extra treatment. It's just the reality of where he is right now. Um, And you're right. That's coincided with he has thrown an interception in five straight games. This is the first time that's happened since 2002. He's never thrown an interception in six straight games. So, you know, we'll see what happens against the Jets on Sunday. But, you know, he hasn't been cruising, you know, down the stretch here. He hasn't been cruising into the postseason. Um, And quite frankly, you know, in a a weird way, he's probably going to win the MVP, probably going to beat Todd Gurley. Um, But you could argue that down the stretch here, Rob Gronkowski's been the Patriots team MVP because he has been carrying the passing attack. You know, when Brady's in trouble, it's throw to Gronk. You know, there was a play against the Bills this past weekend. Triple cover in the middle of the field. There was, I think it was two linebackers in a safety triangle right around Gronk. And Brady just threw it to him anyway. He caught it because he's that damn good. Um, you know, I'm sure you all saw the touchdown, the sort of one-handed grab in the front corner of the end zone. And that's after what, you know, he did against the Steelers to carry them to victory the previous week. So Brady's numbers are great. Certainly great for a, a 40-year-old quarterback, but they're great compared to you know, pretty much everybody else, not named Alex Smith, who I think is a couple ticks ahead of him in the, the passer rating, but um, it hasn't come quite as easily or as smoothly in recent weeks. And I certainly think he's hoping that he can put together a you know a strong performance on Sunday against the Jets, who have sort of a middling pass defense. There should be some opportunities for him to make some plays. And they're trying to they're trying to find some consistency. Other than Gronk, you know, other than Gronk, it's you know Cooks has been off and on. Amendola's been off and on. The backs have been a part of it. They just haven't found any consistency elsewhere. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Brady should win the MVP. I think it's a quarterback award because their job and their role is is so important and so much more difficult than anyone else's. is. Um, but like I said, you know, the, the beginning of the season, he made it look easy. It hasn't looked quite as easy in recent weeks.
1: Andy, I think I guess it's safe to say that it's a weird or, or let's just say a tough dynamic when it comes down to covering this football team, because most times when covering teams, there's a pulse that you get that allows you to be able to ride it out and be able to create stories, whether it's in a paper, or there's in blogs or what have you. But the Patriots don't really give you too much of anything to really hang your hat on. With saying that, what is it that you feel they need to improve on? Because you get James Harrison, you mention all of their deficiencies, but yet they still find ways to win. What do you hang your hat on to say that this team has a chance to go into the Super Bowl if?
5: You know, I think, you know, first of all, they do a lot of things well. We all know that. They're the number one passing offense, number one offense because of Brady, but also because that running game has balanced it out over the course of the season a little bit. Um, You know, I think also, you know, I talk about the the passing game looking for consistency. I think they'll lean on Danny Amendola more in the postseason. He's a guy that they try to monitor his reps. He's got a bad knee. So I think, you know, the passing game is going to be their bread and butter, and then they want to balance that out with Deion Lewis in the ground game. Defensively, they still have questions. I mean, the reality is they have struggled on third down of late. They, the other team is running the ball far too easily, and the other team is picking up big plays again, which was a problem early in the season that they sort of cleaned up in that eight-game winning streak where, if you remember, the whole story was, you know, they – Eight straight games, they held the opposition to 17 points or fewer. Some of that was improvement on defense. I'll be honest with you, some of it is letting other teams make mistakes, letting Tyrod Taylor throw it to their guy in the red zone, things of that nature. And, you know, it's it's the old Belichick uh, phrase that before you can win, you have to not lose. And they let the other team lose games more often than not. Even Roethlisberger, he flat-out lost that game by throwing that pick could have gone to overtime who knows what would have happened but he makes a critical mistake they have some confusion in coaching um, but if you were going to say what is their one Achilles heel I would say it's the run defense and you know you look at teams like Jacksonville or Pittsburgh that might just say you know what we're going to run the ball we're going to hold on to the ball we're going to put long drives we're going to have confidence that we'll finish those drives with touchdowns and we're going to take you off the field um, in terms of Tom Brady and that that scoring offense and I don't know if the Patriots can do anything about it. Maybe James Harrison will help that. Um, but other than that, you know, they they do enough well on defense in terms of timely playmaking in the red zone that they've been able to cover their deficiencies. But that front seven is just undermanned and not very good.
2: Andy, tremendous information as always. Enjoy the rest of the holidays and look forward to having a postseason conversation with you coming up in the new year on the NFL on TuneIn.
5: And it's going to be Cordell's dream that now a, a Steeler can get some credit for helping the Patriots
1: <laughs> to victory.
2: No, Cordell Lots helped you guys a lot. Go go watch hey, the game, Chief. He was very together, generous Andy. years ago in the playoffs against the Patriots. Get your, get your heart together, Patriots. buddy.
1: Get your heart together.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Andy. <laughs>